Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 97 of Impact Boom. My name is Amadeo Watson, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive impact through business. Today, we're speaking with Tim O'Brien. Tim is the founder of Hatched, an advisory firm that designs business models that have a purpose at the core. He helps businesses articulate why they exist and strategically designs their businesses to do good and be impactful. Tim believes business is a powerful force for change. The businesses he helps build are proven to be more resilient, productive, and ultimately profitable. He brings a human approach and practical business perspective when designing and implementing purpose-based models. He's a designer and protagonist for purposeful strategy and transformation for startups, scale-ups, and more established businesses, listed companies, and large corporations. On today's podcast, we'll discuss Tim's diverse experience and work in purpose-based strategy. We'll find out about some of the work Tim is involved in to design business for positive social impact. We're sure to get some valuable insights into strategy and innovation in business environments. And we'll also discuss the drivers behind purpose-based strategy and how it is important in creating positive impact today. So, Tim, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. To start off, could you please share a bit about your background and what led you to start Hatched, a company that develops purpose-based strategies? Yeah, so I spent, I think it's about 15 years working for or within large corporations, both in Australia and London. And I would basically do kind of a combination of things. I started off doing sort of customer strategy, then it was sort of moved into marketing or marketing strategy and also then got into innovation. So in London, I was, you know, part of the team that developed PayPass for MasterCard and in the early days, helping develop, you know, apps for Vodafone as well. So we did a lot of work in that space. Very interesting work. Yeah, it was really interesting. It was all about, at the time, like helping those companies sort of better meet customer needs and leveraging technology to do that. But there's something in there that I kept asking myself, there has to be something like a better way of doing this. Essentially, I know we were helping their everyday lives be a little bit better, but were we really making their lives better or different? And so about three years ago, I set up Hatched and four years before that, so about seven years ago, I worked for a large financial services company in Australia. And my job, which was a pretty awesome job, was basically to help that company manage disruption. So whatever those external forces are, help them manage those so they wouldn't get disrupted. So essentially yeah. remain relevant as the world's changing. You know we're in a time at the moment where the world's changing so rapidly. So I would literally identify based on kind of the system of the business what would break and you'd go out and hang out with interesting people in the world to learn about how that change was happening. Because it's not like you can sit at your desk and work out how the world's changing. Like these are people who are building blockchain, you know, building the next fintechs and actually building purposeful business. So mm. I would go out and hang out with those people and learn about what they're doing and bring it back to the board and tell them how to change their business. Mm. So it's pretty cool. So I was really interested in social enterprises, impact organizations, and I was on advisory boards for those. And I was doing a bit of work in fintech, so I loved that innovation space. But what really got me excited was meeting B Corp. And I think it was about seven years ago, I met the team that brought B Corp out to Australia and New Zealand. 
and we formed a strategic partnership. So essentially, I was their advisor. And I thought, this is this is everything. This is how you run businesses in different ways. And I felt that when I was doing the work, it was the most disruptive thing I actually thought of. So people might think blockchain's really disruptive or like fintechs are going to take down financial services. But what got me so excited was that if you looked at B Corps, and for anyone that doesn't know what B Corp is, it's essentially a business that it gets it's validated for having a social environmental purpose. And these businesses were meeting customer needs in new ways, having extraordinary customer satisfaction, loyalty, they had the best teams internally with this amazing um, staff satisfaction. They've just started to get better access to capital, so better investment, cheaper loans, and they're starting to grow really rapidly and they're ticking every sort of box. So they're all the things that I felt were like what businesses were worried about most. And when I started to look at those things, I realized that the key part of managing disruption isn't necessarily about the forces, or they are important, the forces that were disrupting you or the risks that were emerging. It was yourself knowing your purpose, the deep why of what you do. And if you understand yourself, you can navigate that change in a much yeah. more meaningful way. So you can pivot in yeah. the correct way when you are disrupted. Yeah. And so I was like, I've got to go and help these businesses because I love them and I'm going to help them be the disruptors in the world. Yeah. So I set Hatched up, essentially go and help businesses have an impact in the world. That kind of leads into the next question. And word purpose is something that is slowly being thrown around more and more and, and something I guess that's maybe misconceived. So what exactly is purpose and how is purpose different to vision and mission? Yeah, and it's interesting. When I first started the space around purpose, there was one dimension of it that I was fascinated by to help businesses understand, which was around you know your deep why. So understanding the thing that drives you as a business and explains everything you do. It's underneath the surface of it. And so sometimes people at a business might say, oh, purpose is like what we do. So it's like a hammer. What's a nail on the wall? That's your purpose. That's what you're doing, right? But purpose to me is actually it's a higher purpose or a deeper purpose. So it's something that has an impact in the world. It has a social or environmental impact and it's something beyond profit. And that's what drives you. So if you can understand that and kind of the mission, the reason for being, that to me is what's truly purposeful. But just recently, I was being fascinated by another element. So I think that purpose is really important. And it's been really intriguing me. And this is something that's like deeply human. So to me, purpose is actually a combination of like a higher purpose. So having an impact around social and environmental cause, well, not a cause, but just, you know, having an impact for a particular challenge or problem that you're trying to meet. But there's also something around the deep human need that you're meeting as well. You know, is it love? Is it identity? Is it evolution? And this gets a bit, a bit hippie, but there's something really important about this. And this goes back to the work I did around self-awareness. So there's the purpose part, but there's also the human need. So I think mm. this is really important. So I'll give you an example. At SilverChef, which is an Australian-based public listed company, they're one of the few public listed B Corps in the world. They provide finance solution to hospitality businesses. Essentially, it's like a rent try-buy for equipment. And it's a really great finance solution because it essentially gives people a go to open a restaurant when they might not find finance elsewhere, but also helps them manage the cash flow of the business so they ultimately become more successful. So it's really cool. Their purpose is purpose-fit finance to help people achieve their dreams. So their purpose is help people open restaurants and cafes so they can achieve the dream that they're passionate about. And they also have a massive program around helping people out of poverty. So they've got this nice thing about helping people in developing countries achieve their dreams through microloans, through a partnership with Opportunity International, and this other thing which is around helping the cafes and restaurants achieve their dreams. And as they're opening new markets as well, it yeah. gives them a lot of meaning. So people are really attached to that at the company. But we did some work recently with them around this idea of the human need. And when we started to tap into... I think it was about 70 people in the business we spoke about. And we've had this conversation with a number of their customers as well, is when we got to the fact of why do people open or run restaurants and getting to this point around it being partly like self-expression. So it's something about your history or identity that you want to put onto a plate. It might be the fact that one, one example was that I've got Hawaiian and Chinese parents and we want to make a fusion into that cafe. So this self-expression, 
but there's also this independence. I'm going to go out and do my own thing. And that's really deeply human, right? Mm-hmm. It's really important as a human to go out and do something that's a reflection of your identity and also the fact that I want to do this on my own. And then secondly, there's this thing about food. You know, when people make your meals, I think Michael Pollan explains in um, one of the Netflix series recently, it's called Cooked, I think. And there's this deeply human thing about when you cook something for someone, it's like this expression of love and expression of connection and what you achieve when you're around the table, when people are eating and you're providing for them and what can actually be achieved in the world. Mm. So I feel like once you understand that that human need of self-identity, self-expression, and then this sort of like loving giving to the community, as well as the human need around helping people achieve their dreams, once you understand both those things, now you've got something that to me is truly purposeful. There's so much scope within that about what you can do as a business. That yeah. is fascinating. How truly I think identifies something more profound that drives people. And in doing that, you're setting people up, not just for success, but whatever that success might mean for that person. And I love that. I mean, if you talk yeah. about the work that Hatch does, it's a it's a combination of a new form of strategy, how you actually transform your business. But what it is mostly about is that human connection, connecting with that founder, CEO, or their teams, and trying to reflect back to them what the, the essence of their business yeah. actually is. And the reaction that you get when you when someone goes, "Oh my God, this is why I actually do what I do," and I can see it now, and you've helped me articulate it, and oh my God, look what I can do next, and how it could grow, and how proud I would be of the business. It gets back to what you said, like if we can connect and truly understand someone and reflect it back to them in a really simple way that gives them clarity it's amazing it's like, a powerful thing. people cry people get so excited that's the magic of what hatch does yeah. and it's that's why i said in my introduction like trying to define what we do it's like it's deeply human when you do strategy when i used to do strategy putting figures on a page to convince someone to invest in a business or convince someone to work for you it's like no there's something more meaningful going yeah. on and yeah. yes if you get that right you can then provide for your family you can then provide to the investors you can then provide to other people yeah. but what it's really about is that that essence of what actually drives you. Yeah. And once you get that right, my gosh, that's when sky's the limit. And why Hatched? Why is it called Hatched? Funnily enough, I actually wore um, the jacket that kind of inspired Hatch today. I read this book and there's a furniture store called Truck in Japan. And I love his story because he started off in a little garage and he decided that he really wanted to do, I think, two things. Probably going to tell this story in a way that it's not quite correct, but he wanted to make beautiful furniture and also he wanted green, luscious environments working. So he set off in this little thing and he had this little showroom. And I love the story because it essentially shows the organic nature of how to create a business that's who you are and it's kind of purposeful in its way. And I love the simplicity of the word truck and obviously it's Japanese, he's Japanese, but I love the way it came up with the word. And I just wanted a simple word that felt dynamic and felt like, I don't know, it sort of made people a little bit happy. I don't know if that's the case. So Hatch to me was the dynamic that happens, which I spoke about when you kind of go, oh my God, this business is who I am. That's kind of the feeling of Hatched. Mm-hmm. And I love it's a short word with hopefully some meaning. And also I kind of threw up, uh, we just had a, we had a whole bunch of chickens and I love them. So it kind of <laughs> made it in a yeah. sense. But yeah. it's not yeah. meant to be about the egg. It's meant to be about the representation yeah. of the business. Rebirth, that yeah. sort of. And rebirth is that. a big thing. And yeah. You know, we are going through, we'll talk about it later, but there's a lot, yeah. lot of stuff around the economic challenges and social challenge, environmental challenges we've got at the moment. And mm. We want to, like, want it to be positive and fun and challenging and exciting yeah. and innovative and hopefully hatched as a word. It yeah. kind of captures that. Yeah. The rebirth thing is really important. Mm. Yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> we will. But next thing I'd like to hear about is the tools and processes that you use to help business leaders develop a purpose-based strategy. What are those? What are those tools or methodologies that you apply? It was interesting. When I first started this, obviously, I know how to write a strategic plan. I know how to do financial modeling. I know how to launch a new product. I knew how to do all, you know, all that kind of stuff. I know how to do marketing. And obviously, it worked. Like, this is, you know, if you go back in my career and have a look at those things, it all worked. But I knew when I was about to start Hatch that I had skills, but I needed to work out 
how to change them, shift them, adapt them to this environment because it had to be different. These businesses are doing something different. So why would you apply the same strategy, the same marketing techniques to them? So what I did is I literally, when I first started, would go into clients who said, hey, and people don't know what, you know, they go, oh, I want my purpose strategy or my or purpose program. It's not like um, getting an accountant or getting branding done. People go, I don't have a word for it. So they knew I could be helpful, but I go in there and say, okay, give me half a day and we'll work on something together. And so when I did that, I started to realize how that might adapt. I literally just draw things up on the board. I talk to people, listen to people, and suddenly a process emerged. And so there's there's two parts to it. The one is a new form of strategy, which is a very visual strategy. And this is this idea about listening to organizations, understanding how they tick, what's working, what's not working, and then the deep impact that they can have and how to reframe that, change that, evolve that, etc. And so that results, the tool essentially is a program. It's called a purpose program, but essentially results in your purpose, your vision, your mission, your model. And so it comes in an impact model. And it's a visual representation of your business that you can use anywhere and also is essentially your strategy. So that's phase one. So that's your formal strategy. And the second one is transformation. So once you do that, what do you do from that? So program, which we support many businesses doing this, like ESOP or SilverChef, is that most of the, the purpose programs result in some sort of implementation. And given my background in innovation, kind of applying like this approach where you experiment with a lot of things because all the stuff we're talking about, people haven't really done before. So cultural change, embedding purpose into your business, changing the way organizations are run, changing the way boards and leaders make decisions, that part about kind of like what I call culture. Then there's a part about launching new products and services. So we've done that recently with a client. We've got a whole new service that's about to launch that's hopefully going to make a big impact for them but also profitable for them. And then there's stuff around helping them become a B Corp, which we'll talk a bit about later, and certifying your validating impact or actually like innovating around just sustainability and impact. So another client, we're looking at their sustainability, their designer and their packaging in their stores, like what can we do in that part? So it's quite broad, but really it's about how do you represent your business and how do you understand who you are and then how do you implement that and transform your business based on it? And then from that, what do you think are three most important traits of effective purpose-based strategy? Yeah, I, was, I mean, there's a lot of frameworks and books and all that kind of stuff out there. But if you, and anyone's welcome to, kind of hang out with Hatched and see the work, you'll see it's basically us drawing on a board, asking lots of questions, mm-hmm. connecting with people and listening. And so there's three things that I think are important. I think we talked about this human. So business isn't some kind of big artificial structure and big buildings. They're people buying, selling stuff. It's what humans have done for a long time. Second one is clarity. So these big business plans or these things that you stick on a wall, you put your values and all that, it's not the way of doing things anymore. People want to see it. They want to visualize it. They want to be attached to it. So getting visual, which is really important so that everyone understands it, that's the second thing. And the third one is integrated impact. So a lot of people, will they're doing good part. I'll put on the side so they'll have a CSR department or have you know this really great thing they do with a charity but no one knows about it or no one's engaged with it or their product might have a big impact but they're like oh we're just going to sell some stuff integrating all that together into a model so you understand what you do internally how you do that externally and then how your product and your purpose all fits together and the impact that you're having as part of it is all integrated so human clarity integrated are the three things that I think are really important mm-hmm. At the beginning of that, you kind of spoke about, you know, our idea of business being some organization in a big building. So I guess you're alluding more to corporate. So given the disruption in the market around yeah. companies that have that kind of B Corp mentality yeah. of combining purpose and profit, yeah. how is that disrupting the corporate sector? Are they yeah. are you seeing some real pressures being put on the corporate sector? I think that's the case. I think couple of stories there. Well, I was in New Zealand recently and working with their kind of economic and innovation development arm called Callahan. 
And we're trying to work out with them how how might we extend what they're doing so it could either be, depending on what word you use, like impact organisation, social enterprise or personal business. So we had a whole bunch of workshops with um, social enterprises and Love New Zealand, amazing companies, and they're all doing extremely well and it's exciting. And then we actually had, I think, something like 16 of the biggest corporates in New Zealand in the room. And what was exciting is we got them to map, like, where are you on a purpose journey? And all of them were saying, this is just, they understand why purpose is important now. And when we, I produced the framework where I looked at this thing around what I talked about earlier about understanding yourself, the human need, the purpose, and those things that can disrupt your business. When they saw that as a framework around what emerging risks are coming, what strategic risks are coming, they see purpose as fundamental to managing the change that's coming. They get that if I understand now my purpose, my business, and what I need to transform, I can make that happen. Because mm. a lot of businesses are overwhelmed by the change that's coming and they don't have an approach to do that. Mm. And it's it's hard. And if you're a CEO and you're on the board or a leadership team, most of them are having discussion about this stuff coming, we're not prepared for it, and we know we need to make investment in it. And a lot of those bigger businesses are also, you know, there's big startups coming through. There's, you know, if you look at in the US, who was the top 10 in the share market 10 years ago, it's completely changed. There's two big fears, I think. One is how do we remain relevant? And the second one is when I retire, when I look back on what I created as a CEO, a founder, or a board member, and I look at what I've created for my kids and next generation, what have I done? I may have made money. I may have created a nice house for them. I may have got them a university education. But have I created a world that I'm proud of that my kids can live in? And I hear this question a lot. That people say, I want to look back and make sure I've made an impact. And for me, the first one's really important. The second one is more powerful, right? Mm-hmm. And those leaders who are doing this are actively wanting to make their business have an impact in the world so A, they can feel proud of what they created and have a legacy that makes something better. And to me, that's the biggest, I'd say that's the biggest challenge that corporate leaders have is actually waking up in the morning and feeling proud of what they've done. And that is what people are coming to me and asking for. And as I said, when you get back to that thing, when you find out that purpose and transform the business, how proud people feel to work about how proud they feel what they're creating, it's amazing. You can see that transformation happen. From I'm scared we could be doing better to, oh my God, look what we're doing in the world. And then the financial results flow from that. So yeah. that's the biggest challenge, waking up in the morning and being proud of what you're doing. So corporates kind of have, have this pressure from shareholders to generate shareholder returns. How can they combine those two so that they can also still have their impact while being able to achieve shareholder return? Mm. It's interesting. There's a couple of dynamics to this. One is the fact that there was a perception or an assumption that shareholders or investors didn't care about this stuff. And I've worked quite a lot with big businesses and populistic companies working on the narrative around how this works. And what's interesting is, first and foremost, what we're finding is that those businesses who are doing this actually are having a better shareholder return. They're getting better outcomes. They're more resilient, which is pretty phenomenal. So if you look at clients that I work with, broader purposeful business, their growth is phenomenal and the returns that they're providing to their shareholders are amazing. So what we're starting to see is that shareholders are starting to look for businesses that are B Corps or purposeful and have that mission embedded because they know they're actually a better bet. So that's exciting that that's happening. And is that being communicated? I feel that generally people aren't aware of that. Uh, and maybe that's just my media environment here, but I, I feel that there are challenges in people accepting that. I think there are. And I think in Australia, we're doing it in pockets. We're doing it in certain communities and there's some amazing stuff happening. But if you look in the US and the conversation that's happening over there and Europe, the conversation's happening more often over there. But also, it's interesting, the investing communities might necessarily come out and say, oh, we're investing in purposeful business or environmental social return. Like They look for that. But still, they're communicating based on here's the returns that we're getting. So those stories aren't getting out there enough. 100% agree with that. The second thing that's really important is that because of 
you know, the director's liability in Australia and in other markets. There is a challenge around boards and directors' ability to make decisions more broadly around stakeholder returns. So in a scenario where you might say, okay, we're in a big company, we've got a scenario where we need to work out where our next call center is going to be. So scenario one is that call center one can be overseas and you're going to increase your share price, predicted share price by 30%. And people are trying to predict this stuff and we get one anyway, so it's kind of false logic. And scenario two is the fact that you can keep your call center in Australia and your share price will might remain the same or it might go up slightly. And, and not, I'm not saying one scenario is better than another in terms of um, call centers bad or overseas not, but in the scenario two, you work out the impact that you're having on customers, the impact that you're having on staff is actually a better scenario than putting it overseas. Shareholders can hold the board liable if they make a decision on two which didn't maximize shareholder return over scenario one. So the challenge is the fact that boards might want to be doing this stuff, but actually because of the way that kind of the law and the legislation works, they're kind of liable to maximize that return. We're lucky that there's something happening and happened in the US, it's growing and hopefully will happen in Australia where it's called a benefit corporation. So it's embedded that there's stakeholder return. So they're actually able to make decisions that might actually privilege scenario two over scenario one. So part of the thing is boards having permission to do it. Part of the thing is telling the stories better, but actually demonstrating these businesses are, are delivering it. The third thing which I'm fascinated by is this good governance. The important part of this is actually the fact that boards will need to evolve the way that they work. And if you look at some stuff, I've been doing a lot of work in sort of previous things like integrated reporting, integrated thinking, new ways that boards can make decisions, new ways that boards can report through governance stuff. It's really important that they start to build the capability to make these decisions because if you're making a decision that holds not just one capital, meaning financial, against Number five, which is social, environmental, uh, workers, could feel much harder to make that decision, but actually making those decisions can actually be more impactful because they're looking longer term. So there's some structural challenges in business, but also there's capability gaps in those boards as well. And so when you go in there and talk about how to do this, it can be challenging for them because they're used to working in a certain way. But those boards that are doing this, it's really exciting because actually they're like, I can actually make better informed decisions. I can make impact when I do this work. And actually, it's actually more meaningful to me being on a board to govern a company where I can make these holistic decisions. Yeah. It's really interesting to hear that, that is going on in the States, that they have that. See, and yeah, I think legislated. 40-something states. And with the bills being put to Australian Parliament, and it would be huge for, yeah. I think, more broadly yeah. about engaging corporates. It's a big structural shift in the business community. I want to talk a bit about B Corp. It's a global organisation that is redefining what success means in business. Could you please tell us a bit more about B Corp? Yeah, basically it started when the founders were running a, a previous business and when they sold it, all the things that were important to them around the way they looked after staff, the way they looked after their customers, their supply chain, all that stuff, when they sold it, there was sort of a promise that would keep going. But what happened is that the buyer pretty much eroded all that value and that, and that was a really successful company, isn't it? What happened is that financial performance starts to go down. They were like, there's got to be a better way of doing this. How can we make sure that when someone either sells a business or a founder moves on or a CEO, all that kind of stuff, how do we make sure that the mission is still embedded in the business? So B Corp is essentially, my version of it, is a framework and a certification that validates your purpose. And we talked about purpose earlier. So we're talking about the higher purpose here where it's either social or environmental. It's the framework. And it's like... Fair trade is the coffee, but it's to your whole business. So it looks at your governance structures. It looks at the way that you interact with the community. It looks up the way that you work with the environment, your workers, and there's an impact areas as well around what impact you have through your business. And it's a robust framework, which most businesses find it very difficult to achieve. 
and essentially certifies you as a business. So there's 200 plus in Australia. There's um, 2,500 worldwide. And it's an extraordinary collection of businesses like Patagonia, like Ben & Jerry's, like Silver Chef, like Hatched, where a B Corp as well. And they come from all different areas. And I love the fact that it's not like when you're, if you're an accountant, you go, well, everyone's an accountant or everyone's a marketer. <laughs> this diverse network of FMCG companies, of consultants, of accountants, it's amazing to see all these different businesses all have this common goal of actually transforming business that does good in the world. And when you get them together, it's amazing and the collaboration that happens what are the benefits of being a B Corp one would obviously be that strong community network that you get which is now global yeah right but does that certification then help those B corporations get investment get more support whether that's you know financial or non-financial to develop their business yeah so all of that biggest benefit I think is that if you say what you do this says that you're the real deal like it backs it up and says okay well if you say this is what impact you're having you have to so in an age where people are either greenwashing or purpose washing, it provides that transparency that consumers, your staff and investors are looking for. That transparency is huge. That's the first thing. Second thing, think having that validation that what you say you do is actually what you do as a business, it makes you just feel like, okay, yeah, we're on the right track. And then the third thing is all these benefits that you spoke about. So what we're finding is that as the B Corp brand grows, it's essentially like a shortcut. So first benefit within that is we're seeing basically access to talent. So we're seeing those businesses that are B Corps getting really great people coming in. They get best people who want to work for someone that's more purposeful. So that's one huge benefit. We're finding now through the investor community, as you say, people getting lower access to capital. So there's some great case studies where it's easy to find investment, but it's also people getting lower costs for loans because banks and capital providers are seeing that they're going to be more resilient because they're a B Corp because what's in there. Entering new markets, if you're a B Corp going from Australia to the US, there's huge benefits because, again, you're sort of part of that community, so people want to help you, collaborate with you, but consumers also know what's happening there. And then I think the last part's the collaboration. A, working with different B Corps, so if you're looking for a consultant or you're looking for clothing or apparel, like companies can actually find like-minded values and like partners that they can work with, and that's having a huge benefit as well. Yeah. It's a very powerful and comprehensive thing. And I guess B Corp is doing a lot in, in that respect and kind of combat the challenges that we now face in society. You know, political polarization around notions of the nation state versus a more inclusive global economy, financial and political challenges around the effectiveness of such institutions to address today's pressing issues, environmental challenges around energy and global warming. The list goes on, but what impact do you think these challenges are having on today's business environment? Yeah, this is interesting because I think a lot of the work that I've do and have done, particularly a financial services company, I've worked with those risks. And when you look at the state that each of those are in, it can really get you down. And the thing that gets me out of bed every morning and the buzz that I get is that Hatched and the clients that I work for are trying to be part of the solution. So as part of business, we're actually trying to solve these challenges in new and interesting ways. Mm. And that gets me really excited. To that point earlier where we spoke about what our business is fearing, so you're sitting around a board, most of them aren't having the conversation around these challenges. So there's two ways to look at these things. First one is it's going to impact my business at some point, if not or it has already, so it's a risk or an emerging risk or strategic risk, whatever word you look for. Or secondly, this is an opportunity. Through solving a problem like this, we can create value, both value for ourselves, monetary, but also value for whatever problem we're trying to solve. So there's a huge upside in the opportunity that's happening happening there. Like basically, it's almost like these things are going to impact you. You have to make a decision. Are you going to be part of the solution? Or yeah. How are you going to manage these things? And, and when you actually start to see the innovation that's coming, some of the work that we're working on and the impact that that's having, you start to feel like there's a bit of hope and there's a bit of possibility. And yeah. 
I think we're also in the age of social media where if you look at, you know, what's happening around plastics just at the moment on social media and the consumer activism is massive. The ability to have social media, the ability to have a say, the ability to connect with individuals, the ability to see what's actually happening through like Twitter or Instagram, that technology has enabled the activism to happen, if that makes sense. So yeah. through having the technology, it's allowed transparency, which yeah. has allowed people to connect and have that. So what's exciting about it is the fact that marketing shifting to like tapping to activism and campaigning and there's something really exciting around that and doing it in your own way that I'm, I'm loving at the moment. Yeah. And so tap into it because it's there. And, you know, you've seen stuff happen where people have just turned off from businesses. So this whole divestment movement, which happened with some universities, et cetera, all the banks, a whole wave of people started to move their products away because they weren't happy with some of the decisions that they were being made, the policies and where the investment stood. So people will move away from your business if you're not doing the right thing and they'll find out about it really quickly. So, yeah. you know, that Volkswagen, you know, we have environmentally friendly cars and then suddenly they, they got found out they weren't testing them properly and didn't have them there. Overnight, like it had a massive impact Huge on the share effect. price. Yeah. So you can't tell me that purpose and, and impact doesn't actually happen at financial impact. It comes back and bites you in the butt. To finish off, could you please recommend a few good books or articles, sources of content that would inspire our listeners? There is great books out there. There's more and more good books out there in this space as well. And there wasn't a lot when I started because, as I said, we're kind of baking it up as we go. I love reading. I love listening to podcasts, but my life's pretty busy, which I love. So I don't, I don't do it that often. So my actual advice, I have two pieces of advice for this question. One thing I do when I travel through airports or I go to someone's house or I'm in unfamiliar environments, I pick up a magazine I would never read. I pick up one of those trashy like celebrity magazines and look at it. And because that's a part of society I'm not always attached to. So I learn so much from going, oh my God, look what's going on here. So I pick up a book or a magazine that you would never normally pick up. And the second thing would be, the thing that I get most value out of is having conversations with people. So doing it in an unlikely environment. So you know when you're in an environment, you go, oh, I've never talked to that person. They're completely different to me. Go and have a conversation because you'll learn so much. So my biggest piece of advice is the things that you don't know much about, go and seek them because you'll learn different perspectives, understand how the world's working and challenge yourself to go and do something you wouldn't do before because that's it's the hardest thing to do but you'll learn so much more than picking up an amazing book and learning a couple of things you'll learn more from probably reading a trashy magazine (laughs) (laughs) counterintuitive but trust me it's good great that's awesome tim thank you very much for sharing your generous insights it's been a pleasure thank you thanks for listening to impact boom You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.